some of you get like super excited. You're like all in people. You're like jumping with two feet. You're signing up for everything. You're probably signing up for too much. You're just like all in. And some of you are like freaked out and you're all out. You're just like slowly kind of trying to figure out how to get out of this place because it's way more demanding than you thought it was going to be. Like, I thought there was going to be donuts. There's no donuts. I thought there was just going to be sitting here and now you're like asking us to do stuff. I don't know about this. I actually think there's a hesitation inside of all of us, whether it's big or small, when we say step into community, jump into community, be a part. Because when we're talking about community, we're talking about relationships. And you know that relationships can be amazing and terrible at the same time. Relationships possess this power to do like the, they, they can heal us and they can hurt us. They can be the greatest source of joy in our life or the greatest source of pain in our life. This is what relationships are. And the Bible's amazing because it doesn't shy away from just saying like, when you become a Christian and a part of the church, then everything's great. It doesn't, it doesn't do that. It doesn't communicate that actually. It shows us beautifully what community with Jesus can look like on a good day and what it can look like on a bad day. Acts chapter 2, we get this picture of community that honestly has just ruined us. Like we read Acts chapter 2 and we just think, oh man, this is amazing. How come the church isn't like this today? Acts chapter 2 talks about the church as it's being born and it's all of these devoted disciples who are eating and praying together every day, not just on Sundays, but they're actually seeing signs and wonders happen amongst them and there's people being added in to the church every day by droves. There's, they have favor with everyone in the city. Everyone has everything in common. This is what the scripture says. And they're all selling their stuff to give away to those who have great need. I mean, it's like, golly, this Acts chapter 2 could have been the inspiration for the Lego movie theme song. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. I think it was. But the Bible is, is true, and it, it doesn't sugarcoat the mess that church is as well. If you read past Acts chapter 2, any of the New Testament, it is ugly. It is, it is not something maybe that you would want to be a part of other than that Jesus is in the midst of it. The church has leaders who are leading people astray. There's gossip and slander. People are coming to the communion table to get drunk. There's division and feuds. There's this personality cults begin to pop up. So not following the person of Jesus. They're following these dynamic personalities of leaders instead. There's backbiting. There's backsliding. There's legalism. There's at some point, there's like grown men who are getting circumcised unnecessarily. We don't have to go any farther than this. Everything is not awesome. Everything is not cool when you are a part of that team. Everything is far from awesome when you've been circumcised unnecessarily. Many of us have experienced, actually, both of these things. We've experienced the joy of being a part of a family or a church family. And we've experienced the pain of being a part of a family or a church family. 
Some of you here today, actually, you're like kind of hopeful because this is the first church that you've been a part of. You're like, yeah, everything does seem awesome around here. And I just want to give you a warning at the front end. It's not always awesome. And it is painful. And it requires much. For those of you who have been a part of churches before and you're stepping in slowly because you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I just want to give you a heads up. Um, it's never going to be perfect because you're here and I'm here. And this is what we're working with. As a church, Radiant to Larry, we're committing to work towards the, the dream and not the nightmare that community can be. We are, we are committed to do that. But I'm just letting you know that we won't nail it every time. What's, what's kind of discouraging is when we read Acts chapter 2, it's kind of like, why, why doesn't this just happen, like, automatically? Kind of like when we become a Christian, when we give our life to the Lord, like, why don't we just become instantly perfect? Why don't, we, why don't we have patience, like, through the roof? Like, we said yes to Jesus. We got baptized. We're committed. Like, what is the deal here? Why am I so angry all the time still? Why can't I stop doing this or doing that? What we need to understand about community, this, this heart that Jesus has of building a community that's centered on him and around him, is that God uses this draw. Like, we're drawn to that kind of community. That's what we want to be a part of. We want to be with people that have our backs. We want to be with people who are going to call us on our stuff but walk with us through our stuff. We want to be with people who are gracious and forgiving. If we have need, we're not embarrassed or ashamed to say it, and we can receive freely as we give freely. That's the kind of community that draws us in. And I want to say this morning that God uses this draw because this is possible with Jesus. But he uses this to draw us to a place of commitment. And when we are committed, out of that place of commitment, God goes to work in the deep places of our life. When you choose not to go anywhere, I am here, this is where I am planted, then God goes to work deep inside of us. He works us, he breaks us, he shapes us into the image of his son. And it is painful and it is glorious at the same time. And it is a process that takes time. The primary tool God uses to break us and shape us is relationships. There is no way out of this. Even if you moved like to a cabin in the woods so far removed from people, they will still haunt you in your mind. And if they're super aggressive, they will find you wherever you are. So we're inviting you to step into not this romantic idea of community, but we are inviting you to step into the reality of community. You need this. I need this. We need this together. And we have to put the work in to this community, and we can either help build it or we can help destroy it. And this morning I just felt like, I wanted to just quickly shed some light on a few things that I, I, there's a lot of things that could kill this community. I mean, sin's like at the top of the list. But there were three things that I just felt 
like the Holy Spirit just shining some light on that maybe we just don't think about sometimes that actually could be working against us as we're stepping in, as we're taking a risk and being a part of something. If we're not careful to fight against these things, they will slowly creep in and slowly choke out the community that you desperately want and need in your life. These are the three things, comparison, envy, and you turn this thing into an idol. You make it the ultimate thing in your life. Quickly unpacking these things. Community is actually, it's built on connection, on compassion, on creativity, and comparison kills all of those things. It chokes out all of those things. Comparison will suck you out of being present with this community that you're planted in, and it will trap you inside of your own head. And slowly you become the judge of everything around you. And ultimately you become ineffective. You become dead weight in the community when you start giving yourself to comparison. Comparison leads you to two places, inferiority or superiority. So if, if you're comparing yourself in this community constantly, pulling comps from all around you, you will either start to demote yourself because everybody's so perfect around here. This is not the place for me. Everybody's got their stuff together. So I'm just slowly checking out. Or you start pulling comps and you're like, these people suck around here. Oh, man, they are really screwed up. And you start to feel really good about yourself because you're not as bad as that guy or that lady or this. At least I've got stuff together. At least I don't look like I just rolled out of bed this morning. Like, whatever it is, you will either be crushed by the comparisons that you're making, or you will be puffed up with pride as a result. Either way, you're going to kill the community that you're a part of if you give yourself to this. Jesus calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. If we follow after him, the way that we follow is to lose ourselves is to prefer other people above ourselves. And we can't enter into other people's lives when we are constantly thinking about how we measure up with that person in front of us. We're trapped. This is why we prefer one another. We don't compare ourselves to one another. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourself. This is the way for us. If you get stuck in this comparison trap, you're actually going to rob this community of your voice because you're either spending so much time trying to figure out how to make yourself look or present or sound like the people around you, or you're just holding back because you're afraid that you're going to be rejected and shunned and kicked out because you don't measure up. Do not get caught in this trap. Do not pay attention to. Do not pull comps from the people that you're sitting next to or in front of or behind you. Do not compare yourself to them. Compare yourself to Jesus. This is who you pull your comp from. It's not about what other people are doing. It's about what Jesus has called you to be obedient to. 
If you do that, if you keep your eyes fixed on him, or what the, what the New Testament says is keep in step with the Spirit. Don't take your marching orders from the people to the right or to the left, or we'll be so out of sync with what the Holy Spirit's trying to do here. It will be a mess. It will we'll end up in that, that lineup of churches that are just kind of like, woo, I do not want to step foot in there. Keep in step with the Spirit. Don't compare with each other. Envy is another surefire way to kill this thing. Envy is a feeling of unhappiness at the blessing or fortune of other people. Envy is when we want someone else's life. We want their body. We want their job. We want their home. We want their spouse. We want their schedule. We want their family. We want the whole package. It looks so much better than what we're working with. But envy doesn't stop there. It doesn't just desire to be someone else. It actually it, it resents the other person for being or possessing something that you don't. You won't just stop with, like, wanting. You'll start to tear down and resent those around you that have something that you don't. We sometimes lump envy and jealousy together, and there's they're kind of like, sisters or something, but there's a fine line between jealousy and envy. Jealousy is more about, like, stuff that you have. Like, you can be jealous over the stuff that you possess. You don't want to share that stuff with people. Envy is more about identity. It's who you are. You're dissatisfied with who you are. You don't like you. You want someone else's life. And if we don't fight against envy, if we don't try to sniff this out in our life and then snuff it out, it won't only hinder the work of God, it will actually champion the work of Satan. The devil was cast down out of heaven because of envy. Isaiah 14, you said in your heart, O devil, I will ascend to the heavens I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. The devil didn't want just the stuff that God had. He wanted to be like God. He wanted his identity. And he thought he could possess that. And when we engage in this, when we allow this to grow inside of our hearts, we are building the kingdom of darkness and not the kingdom of light. And what business does darkness have with light? James 3 says this, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny it. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Don't harbor this. Don't give it safe passage in your heart. Don't pet it and treat it and like call it names like, oh, I'm just so jelly. I'm so jelly of what you've got. No, do not, do not give it any safe quarters in your heart. Have nothing to do with it. Envy is the poison of community. It slowly and, and just so slimily just kills off community. It poisons your ability to enjoy others and who they are and what they have to offer. It poisons your ability to enjoy who you are and what you have to offer. And it slowly 
will cause you to withdraw and check out and judge and refuse to engage. If this is in you, if you, if you just suspect that it's in you, destroy it. Don't pet it. Don't think it's like no big deal. You confess it. You cast it down out of your life. You bring it into the light. You repent. You take it straight to Jesus, and you let him deal with that. He's the only one that can stop it before it destroys everything that he's up to here. The last thing that I want to highlight before we close our time is we can turn this good thing of community into a God thing in our life. We can turn it into an idol. We were actually created to worship, all of us. And if we don't put God in the center of our worship, then we will find something else to pour out our adoration, our affection. We'll find something to give us identity or give us hope. We will find something to worship. What we give our greatest worship to gives us our greatest sense of identity. What you give your greatest worship to, what you give your time, your money, your energy, your thought life to, it will give you your greatest sense of identity, of who you are. It's happening right now. If you give Jesus the greatest worship in your life, you put him in the front of everything, he will be the one giving you your identity. If you put your family, a good thing, in the position of God, you will be asking your family to do something for you that it was never intended to do. If you put this church community in the place of God in your life to give you hope, to give you affection, to give you identity, to give you satisfaction, you will destroy it because you're demanding something from it that it was not intended to give you. Some of you have been hurt by the church, and it's because you were counting on that community to do something for you it was never intended to do. Some of you have been hurt by the people in church. Some of you have some real honest, like, pain to work through. But if the church has only hurt you, I believe it stopped short of its job in your life. Because I believe that the church wasn't meant to hurt you, but it was meant to kill you. We are not here for each other to help each other live a better life. We are here to help you die a better death. This is the community that we're asking you to step in with. We aren't here to help you live a better life. We're here to help you die a better death. And we die a little bit each day as we put the needs of others before our own. We die a little bit as we forgive each other and give grace to each other. We die to our selfishness when we bear with one another. We die of our self-centeredness when we sing when we don't want to sing. And we pray when we don't want to pray. And we serve when we don't feel like serving. And we submit to authority when we don't feel like submitting to authority. And we die to our selfishness when we extend ourselves. When all we want to do is retreat because it's too much. And this is the way of Jesus. 
He teaches us that if you try to save your life, you will lose it. If you put all your eggs in, in that basket, whatever it is, your job, your status, your education, those eggs will come crashing down at some point. It cannot bear the weight. This is why we are not a community centered on community. There's a lot of that. You can go find that somewhere else. We are not a community centered on community. We are a community centered on Jesus. It is about Jesus' life and not ours. Jesus' dream and not ours. Jesus' leadership and not ours. Jesus' wisdom and not ours. Jesus' mission, not our mission. Jesus' strength and not our strength. It's about Jesus' fame and not about our fame. This is why we're inviting you into this community with full hearts and full conviction. Step in with us. Not because we're special or because we have it all together, but because we have forsaken everything else for him who holds everything together. He's it. He's our only hope. This is why we're inviting you to step into packs or, or to serve, not because we want you to find yourself. We, want you, we don't want you to just find who you really are. We want you to find who he really is. And you do that in losing yourself and preferring and dying and do it all, doing it all over again the next day.